Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon lesson this morning comes from the New Testament. We're looking at the book of 1 Peter, reading just four verses from 1 Peter chapter 5. The apostle Peter writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to Christians saying this, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am super excited to get to preach on this reading from God's word this morning. And really, I should not have to qualify a sermon that way because I'm never really unexcited to preach to you. But the reason I'm mentioning that today is because the first time that I sat down to study this text, to preach on it here today, I was not super excited. I was super nervous. At our church, we follow a lectionary, which is a series of lessons that are chosen, not by me, but uh, by our church body for every single day of the year. And, And we do this on every single Sunday for two reasons. One, it is to honor the church year and to honor historic Christianity. But there's really another reason. It's so that I don't get up here on Sundays and just preach about whatever I feel like. But when I got to this text, I thought, you know what? might not preach on this one because it's easy to mess up. It's easy for a pastor to mess up a part of God's word that's all about pastors. Did you catch that? This is the Apostle Peter, Pastor Peter, talking to pastors about being a pastor, and now your pastor is going to preach a sermon on that. I could mess that up. I could mess that up by preaching a sermon that's all about what God's word says about pastors, and you leave here going, wow, my pastor really likes to talk about himself. Or I could preach a sermon all about what God's word says about pastors, and you actually hear a sermon about what God's word says, but you leave here going, that applied to one person. (laughs) I'm not a pastor. You know what else I could do? I could preach this sermon and I could read it in such a way where I go, you know what? You you need to respect your pastor. That's what some pastors would do. But that's not the point of this text. Or I could use this text and say, you know what? (laughs) You know what some pastors do? You (laughs) You know how some pastors do it wrong? Did you catch what I did there? But that's not the point of this text. 
was nervous to preach on this text. And then I got even more nervous when I heard a wise old pastor who I really respect say, you know how you preach this text the right way? You don't. You get another wise old pastor to come and preach on this text. And I thought, great. These people, they're stuck with me this morning until I really started to study this text. And you're actually, you're actually getting exactly God's word this morning in, in the best way. Because this is a sermon that is spoken, is proclaimed, is preached by a very wise old pastor. His name's the Apostle Paul. He was friends with Jesus. And what he's doing in this letter is is preaching. He's proclaiming God's word to a group of Christians. And yes, you heard the four verses that we read, and they were directed straight to elders or pastors or shepherds. But it wasn't just to them. It wasn't just to God's pastors. It was to God's people as well. Peter knew what he was doing. He knew that this letter would be read in the gathering of Christians. He knew that, yes, the next generations of pastors would hear it, but he also knew God's people would. And you notice he didn't say, hey, now the rest of you put your fingers in your ears. This isn't for you. This is just for pastors. No, this is for God's people and God's pastors alike because there's something very, very important that God wants all of us to know. And that's why I'm really excited to share this. It's because this morning, we're going to get to talk about a relationship that we really don't talk a whole lot about in church. It's the relationship of God's people and that between God's pastors. We talk a lot lot of other relationships, the relationship of husbands and wives and families and friends and, and neighbors. And we talk about the relationship that we share as Christians sharing the same faith. But it's not often that we get to explore this relationship that God's word actually talks amply about. So what are we going to look at? Well, in our series called God's Words Possess God's Power, we're looking at a message that God gave to Peter to give to his church. And, And not just the church that first heard Peter's letter, but to this church and every Christian church as well. And that's this, that God's word possesses God's power And when God gives pastors to proclaim that word to you, it does two things we're going to look at today. Number one, God's word possesses God's power to protect you from spiritual autonomy. And secondly, God's word protects you from spiritual abuse. So let's get into that and look at the very first part of that, that God's word possesses God's power to protect you from spiritual abuse. Autonomy. As we get into that, what I want to do is just ask some simple yes or no questions for you to reflect on, okay? Here they are. Three questions. Do you believe that you need someone to watch over you? Do you believe that you need someone to watch over your spiritual life? Do you believe that it is absolutely essential that you have a pastor in your life? The degree to which you are comfortable or uncomfortable with what those questions suggest 
well, maybe leads us to understand how we personally might struggle with the idea of spiritual autonomy. What does that mean? Well, to be autonomous simply means that you are governed by self-rule, that you get to determine what you do. Put another way, it's your party. You can do whatever you want. That's autonomy. Spiritual autonomy, well, it's perhaps the most natural thing that human beings struggle with. It's the idea that we want to do what we want to do, that we don't really want to do what God's word says we should do. And even when we know what God's word says we should do, we don't want God to reign our our parade that we get to just do me. Would you say that? Pastor, Pastor Matt, I'm here. I am not someone who's tempted by the idea of spiritual autonomy. I love God's word. I, I love what it says. I, I'm here at church after all, aren't I? Well, the way that, that this tempts even Christians is subtle, but it's serious. So let's talk about it. How does it work? Well, you often might say this to yourself or or heard it said that faith is a personal matter, right? We even go so far as to say that I have a personal relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? But did you know that nowhere in all of scripture does it ever once use language to describe your relationship your faith relationship with your Savior as personal? Nowhere. You can go and test me on this. Go and look and see, but not once ever does Scripture talk about you having a personal relationship with Jesus. What it does talk about, however, is that the relationship you have with Christ is established as, well, God's people hear God's word from other people that proclaim it to them. And Their faith grows, their relationship with Christ grows as they gather together with other Christians around his word and around his sacraments. The subtle temptation for so many Christians, myself, yourself included, is to get the idea of a personal relationship with Jesus, but then morph it to be a really a relationship with Jesus that is on our own terms, that is according to our own preferences, our own personality, our own bias. In other words, I love Jesus and I love that Jesus loves me, but at the end of the day, it's a personal relationship. In other words, I can still do whatever I want. How does this affect the relationship between God's people and God's pastors? Well, do you believe that it's, it's essential that you have a pastor? That you have someone who's watching over you spiritually? Or is the idea that, that you have a single pastor kind of outdated, kind of oppressive? After all, like, where's the self-discovery in that? And come on, Matt, we live in an age where, do I really just need to have a pastor or a team of pastors? After all, if I, if I don't like one, I can go online. And did you know this? You have access to every single pastor in America that chooses to put out a YouTube video or a podcast or a book, and there are thousands of them. But think through the idea, the temptation of spiritual autonomy. Nobody wakes up one morning saying to themselves, you know what, I'm going to be a spiritual, spiritually autonomous person today. You know, it happens over time. 
It happens that you wake up and you think that the man or woman in the mirror knows best. Knows best what is right for them in their life. And then that mindset takes you, and when you interact with people, other people in the same room, you go, you know what? Because I know best, I I don't really need encouragement, and I certainly don't need criticism or direction from anybody else. And so it begins to isolate you. And, And that's just personally, relationally. Now let's talk spiritually, how what that does is It isolates you. And spiritual autonomy actually isolates you spiritually, not just from other Christians or other pastors, but how did God set up this relationship? That God's people bring God's word to one another. And so you are separated from the very grace that our Lord Jesus Christ gives through his means, the hope, the forgiveness, the love, the joy, the purpose. So let me ask you, do you believe that it's absolutely essential that you have people, pastors, watching over your spiritual life? In the Old Testament, it's rather well known that God's people chose to do their own thing. The Israelites didn't just wake up one morning and decide they were going to be spiritually autonomous. But over time, that happened. And so we know that God sent them his prophets. He said to Ezekiel, son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them. But did they listen? You know, the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they're not willing to listen to me. So you know what God did? He didn't smite them. He didn't shame them. He didn't scold them. You know what God did? Well, in Ezekiel chapter four, this is what God says. He says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. God said, when the flock is scattered, I myself will go after them. When they are in danger, I myself will rescue them. I myself will lead them to good pastures of my word. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. I will shepherd the flock with justice. But you know, God didn't stop there. He didn't stop with just shepherding his people Israel. He actually sent a really, really good shepherd to shepherd all of God's flock. He sent a shepherd, a a pastor, if you will, who was the perfect pastor to go and get his people, to go and get, People just like me and you who are bent on spiritual autonomy. To go and get them and gather them together and lead them besides really, really good streams of living water. You know who I'm talking about. It's Jesus himself who said in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This is what your God did for you out of love for you. He went after you and gave you the perfect pastor, the perfect shepherd, Christ Jesus, who laid down his life for you so that your life could be with him forever. But he didn't stop there. No, to people, <laughs> to people who think that I can just have my own personal relationship with Christ, Christ himself said, no. I know how that ends. So I'm going to 
send to you elders, pastors, shepherds to care for you. We read 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter writes, To the elders among you, I appeal as fellow elders and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Here's the really good news. God's word possesses God's power. And God has given his word to pastors to proclaim it to you in order to protect you from all of the dangers and the temptation of spiritual autonomy. Listen, you know the biblical metaphor or analogy of you and I being sheep, sheep of God's flock, right? Did you know that's not just a cute metaphor? Like, oh, here's a warm, fuzzy animal that I think everyone will like. I'm going to describe them as sheep. No, the metaphor has a point, and that's that sheep wander. Sheep wander. And, and sheep that are members of God's flock have a natural tendency to wander towards spiritual autonomy. And so just like sheep need a shepherd, God gave us the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, who said, I'm going to appoint under me other shepherds to make sure that, that you don't wander, but you always know where you can find streams of living water so that you can share in the glory to be revealed with me someday. And this is not my flock. This is not any pastor's flock. Did you catch it? This is God's flock. One of the greatest blessings of God's grace that he has given to you is people. God's people and God's pastors, a special relationship to care for one another. Let me ask you this, though. You know, you understand the biblical metaphor of sheep and shepherds, but how many of you have interacted with shepherds on a continual basis in your life? Not too many people, I see. So oftentimes when we talk about shepherds being pastors, that whole idea, that metaphor, it might be lost. So, so sometimes I do this. When we're talking about why you have a pastor in your life, I often ask people this. How many of you have a primary care doctor in your life? It's at this point where a lot of young men look sheepishly at me, and I encourage them to go and get one. By the way, did you catch my sheep joke? I wrote that. Took me a while. <laughs> no? All right. I encourage them to get a primary care physician because why? What is the purpose of a primary care doctor? It's to care for your physical well-being. Am I right? And you actually have this in more areas of life than a doctor. You actually have a dentist that cares for your oral health. Doctors care for your physical health. And you might even have a therapist who cares for your mental health. You might have a personal trainer that cares for your muscular health, right? We have all of these people in our lives, but let's just go with the idea of a primary care doctor. If you have a primary care doctor, and especially if you're very young like my children, you go and see them often. You go and see them often. Why? Because you're growing. And what happens when you're growing is that the doctor wants to make sure you're going the right way. And by God's grace, what's been the case in the appointments of my kids is that they, they celebrate the fact that they're growing in age-appropriate ways. As you grow, you continue to see your doctor at appropriate times, and hopefully they celebrate that you're I won't say aging or growing, but maturing in all of the appropriate ways, right? But you know what happens sometimes. 
Sometimes a doctor might have to give you some bad news. Sometimes a doctor might actually have to point out to you that some decisions that you're making in your life are or may actually lead to your physical harm. And why do they do that? Is it to shame you? Is it to make you feel stupid? No. It's so that you become healthy. It's so that you become strong. And and what they'll do is they'll prescribe a treatment plan so that you can grow in strength physically. They'll maybe prescribe medicine so that you can heal in an appropriate way physically. And that's the point with pastors. God gives pastors to his people so that they can meet together and gather together around God's word at appropriate times and in in many places. And and as you're a new Christian, you get to do this regularly and often so that as you grow, you're growing in all of the right ways that God wants you to grow. And then as you grow, the hope is that you continue to grow with God's word. But what happens? Might a pastor have to point out that you're not maturing, you're not growing in the right places? Might a pastor have to point out that you're actually actually doing something that could lead to your spiritual harm? And why would a pastor do that? Is it to make you feel stupid or to shame you? No. In the same way, it's so that you continue to go spiritually so that you will be able to share in the glory that will be revealed in Christ Jesus. It's a comparison. It helps us think through the the role of a pastor in your life. But can I point out one, one gaping difference? Your physical doctor, your primary care doctor, their goal is to make sure that the 70, 80, maybe 90 years, if God grants it, that you'll have on this earth, your body will be in good health. But they know as well as I and you that your body will die at some point. My goal, the goal of your pastor, is not just make sure for a few decades that your faith is strong, but it's to make sure that forever and for eternity, you will get to share in the glory that is yours and given to you through Christ Jesus' suffering. So now let me ask you, do you believe that it's essential that you have someone watch over you spiritually? Do you believe it's necessary that there be a relationship with God's people and God's pastors? My friends, my goal is this. My goal is singular, and it's this, that that you live throughout all of your life witnessing Christ, seeing him, seeing him clearly, and all that he's given for you So then when this life's over, you and I get to continue on living with Christ forever in heaven. That's the goal of a pastor. And God gives his word, his word which possesses his power to protect you from the temptation of spiritual isolation and spiritual autonomy. That's what a pastor's for. That's why God gives God's people pastors. And yet, you know that that relationship does not always work out that way. You know that, that very often there's spiritual abuse. There's spiritual abuse from churches and pastors 
And I said this wouldn't be a sermon where we knock other pastors, but I will say this. I have been blessed throughout my life with pastors, with godly pastors that have protected me from spiritual abuse. And in the few years that I've been a pastor, I've been utterly shocked at how many people have suffered a spiritual abuse from churches and from pastors. And so let's remember why God gave his word to Peter. It wasn't just to talk to pastors and make sure everyone else's ears are quieted so you can't hear what pastors are supposed to do. No, he gave you, God's people, his word about pastors so that you'll not only know what pastors are for, but so that you can evaluate how pastors should be, how pastors should pastor, and you can encourage your pastor to pastor and shepherd like the good shepherd. What Peter did in our lesson today is give three really quick hitters of principles or rules or guidelines for pastors that I want to cover with you also quickly. Can we do that? Here's what he says. He says, be shepherds of God's flock. That is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Here's how pastors should pastor. Willingly, not because you have to. You know the difference, right? You've seen it in almost every area and every job in life, haven't you? The difference between someone who has to be there and someone who wants to be there. The other day I went into Home Depot and I needed just one thing. I needed just a specialty screw to make sure I could get my son's tricycle wheels back on the tricycle. I went in and I looked in the screw aisle for almost 15, maybe 20 minutes for the screw and I couldn't find it. So I went up to the first store employee that I saw there and I said, hey, can you help me find this specialty screw? I, I can't find it. They went like this. I think it's in aisle 18. I said as politely as I could, yeah, I looked for probably 18 minutes. And they go, sorry, man. I go, well, is there anybody you could, you know, talk to about this or anything you could look up? They're like, meh, I can't look that up. I don't know what it's called. Okay, is there anybody over there? They said, I don't know. Clearly someone who was not really willing to help and kind of just had to be there. So I went back to the aisle and determined to look myself, but on the way I walked through aisle 20 and I asked the person there, the store employee, if they would help me. And they said, yes, absolutely, let me take you over there. And they spent the next 15 minutes not only helping me find the specialty screw that I need, but they asked me all about my project and all about my child who was gonna ride on this bike and they wanted to make sure that I had the right tool so that my son would ride his tricycle safely. Do you see the difference? That's how God wants his pastors to pastor. He he actually wants them to pastor in the footsteps of the good shepherd. You want to know what Jesus said before he, he made that claim that he's the good shepherd who lays down his life? He said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I lay it down willingly. Everything that the chief shepherd did for you, he did willingly. He did 
not because he had to, but because your savior so wanted you to share in the glory that will be revealed. He suffered everything so that you would have to suffer nothing. And he did it willingly. God said God's pastors are supposed to pastor like that. Can I admit something to you? That's hard. That's hard for me. And that's hard for a lot of pastors. I'll go so far as to say every pastor. It's hard for me to hop out of bed every single morning like the employee in aisle 20, ready to take you where you need to go, drop everything, and hear all about your project. I hope I'm not like that first employee, but I'm not like Jesus. I'm not Jesus. And so God gives you his word. God gives you his word to protect you from spiritual abuse, from from pastors who are going to serve lazily, pastors who are going to serve just to collect a paycheck. And God gives you his word so that you know this. and, And if your pastor is like that, you can leave and find a new one. But can I encourage you before you do? Can I encourage you to pray for your pastor, to pray for his heart? to pray for his attitude, to pray that it would be one of of not compulsion, but, but willingness in the same steps of our Savior. Pray for him and, secondly, speak to them. Speak words of encouragement to your pastors so that their relationship with you is just that. It's, it's a joy. That's the first principle. Here's the second one. God says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Pastors are not to serve greedily, but they are to serve eagerly. You might go right to money and think, okay, that they're just trying to get money out of this relationship. But that's not what Peter's talking about here. Peter's talking about gaining things that aren't yours to gain, pastor. Gaining honor, glory, acclaim, applause, fame that belongs to Christ. You were to serve in such a way that, well, you do it not to serve yourself and your ego, but you're there to point people to Christ. You remember the first verse that we read this morning, Peter's writing to pastors and he says, you, your fellow pastors and witnesses of Christ's suffering will also share in the glory that is to be revealed. He says, you're to be a pastor like the perfect pastor, our good shepherd who suffered. Your ministry will have suffering like Christ suffered for you. And be encouraged by that because it ends in glory but you will suffer for a time. Can I admit one more thing to you? That's hard. That's hard for me. That's hard for every pastor. I mean, just think about this moment right here, okay? I am preaching to you a sermon about pastors and how pastors shouldn't want glory and honor for themselves. And at the very same time, you want to know something? I want you to like this sermon. (laughs) 
I live with that. Pastors live with that. They live with having ambitions of their own, but, but wanting to be very ambitious solely for the grace and the glory of God. And so God's word to you brings to you God's power. It's to protect you from spiritual abuse, from pastors who do not care, from pastors who only want what God should have, but have it for themselves. You can leave. God's word gives you God's power to protect you from spiritual abuse. But before you leave, can I, can I give you some encouragement? Pray for your pastor. Pray for them as they struggle with that back and forth. And then you can even talk to your pastor. You can say to him, Pastor, I heard a sermon one time that I thought was pretty okay, but it had nothing to do with you, Pastor. Don't worry about it. It had everything to do with what God's word said. And that is this, that, you know what, there might be suffering on this earth, but God promises that when we endure suffering here on this earth, and that's just part of being his disciple, it's going to mean that we have glory with him in heaven. That's the second one. Here's the last. Here's the final one. God says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not lording it over those entrusting you, but being examples to the flock. Pastors are to pastor not like a bad boss, but a good example. You can picture the, the bad boss scenario connected to a pastor who says, I'm a pastor and God gives you pastors so you have to listen to me. Or that pastor who says, I'm a pastor so I am holier than thou. God says, don't do that. Don't pastor like that. But also don't pastor in the opposite way. The opposite of lording it over them is not being a wimp. Don't be like, hey, I got God's word for you. I'm sorry, I can't even look at you, but here's what it says. No, he says, be an example. Be an example to the flock. An example of what? The chief shepherd. Be an example of the chief shepherd, Christ Jesus, who is the perfect balance of service and yet strength, of resoluteness and yet humility perfectly proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, but also telling you to repent. Be like that. And you probably already know what I'm going to admit to you is that's not easy. It's difficult work, but it's Christ's work. And so here's what I'm saying to you is that God's word has God's power and it is to protect you from spiritual abuse when there is pastors who lord the authority and the position and the, and the reverent place that God has given them over others, you can leave if that happens. But can I give you encouragement first? Pray for pastors. Pray for pastors. Pray for my heart that it is constantly connected to Christ and gripped to Christ, because ultimately that is my hope, that is my goal, and that is my prayer for you. It's this, that when the chief shepherd appears, that you and I will get to receive that glory and that crown that will never fade. I want that for you, and I want that for me. And in the same way that I want it for you, I know that you want that for me. And so that's why God gives us this together, all at once. 
this talk on pastors. It's so that God's people and God's pastors know the abundant blessings that he gives to this relationship. It's this. It is a crown of glory that will never fade. That's Peter's encouragement to you. I said this wouldn't be a sermon about this pastor, but can I tell you just one last thing? July is a special month for me because it marks the anniversary every, every year that Emily and I moved here to get to be a pastor here. And so every year, it's kind of an anniversary of how long I've gotten to be your pastor. And as I, as I wrote this sermon, I thought of an email that I saved six years ago when we started doing this together. Can I save just one thing? Can I, can I read just one line from that? Maybe two. It says this. It says, hey, everybody. And it goes on. July 1st, 2016 is the day that our church in Fredericksburg, we didn't even have a name, um, then our church in Fredericksburg began to receive funding. If you haven't been congratulated and, and wished God's blessings in respect to this very special milestone, well, allow me to be the first. I look forward to celebrating God's grace and many more milestones with you on our way to growing together and growing God's church together. So you got a pastor, praise God, but what's next? (laughs) And then I go on to give a bunch of dates and lists that are kind of irrelevant at this point. (laughs) I couldn't have anticipated the milestones that we'd get to celebrate together. My goodness, I, I couldn't have anticipated even meeting and getting to be a part of a church with some of you. And yet here we are. And so as your pastor, can I say just one thing? This is, to me, the sweetest spot on God's green earth to be. And it's for two reasons. It's because one, God called me here and I have confidence in my savior, the Lord of the church. But two, it's because here you put up with me (laughs) and and you've actually accepted me and welcomed me and my family and you've cared for me and my family and you've befriended us and, and loved us and blessed us. My friends, I am looking forward to God willing, many more years of that until we await the crown of glory from our cheap shepherd that will never fade. May God grant that for Jesus' sake. Amen.